Welcome back to the Cock and Ball Pod, a weekly look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. I'm Tom, aka Fan, your air traffic controller, guiding this podcast around the volcanic eruption that is Tottenham Hotspur. And alongside me tonight is a man who's completely covered the streets of uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadines. It's Ash. <laughs> How you doing, Tom? It's good to be back. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you back. Um, and also joining us tonight is a man who keeps texting me, lobbying for a nicer intro to this podcast. Uh, and I've had to remind him that sending a letter would have been more appropriate. It's Jules. <laughs> brace, brace, fucking brace. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Good to have you. Um, Jim can't join us tonight. Uh, he's having to urgently edit the news because uh, apparently someone died on Friday. No idea who. Um, so the good news this week, though, is that we only have to talk about one Spurs game. Uh, the bad <laughs> news, obviously, being it was our 3-1 loss uh, to Man United. Uh, naturally, let's start with the, the team selection. Uh, as always, uh, the biggest headline, Ash, is probably the choice of Dyer and Rodon uh, as centre-backs in what is Jose's 16th different selection of defenders this season. Mate, <laughs> it's not even a surprise anymore that it's something different. He's just, he's like that, re- such a reactionary guy. The moment one player makes a mistake, that's it, they're out. And it's a whole new <laughs> team, a new system. But, you know, they they started the game well. We looked solid from the back. We, we conceded very few chances uh, up until, well, for most of the first half. Obviously, they they made their first goal, which was chalked off through lovely bit of play. <laughs> so... There's not too much defending that could have been done about that. But, you know, I was, I was happy with the defence, certainly for the first half. I'm not sure if that was your reading of it, Jules. Yeah, I didn't think they did that much wrong. And I think it's a clear sort of theme throughout the game that United scored really good goals. Um, <laughs> it wasn't something... I don't think any of them can be blamed for having had a shocker or an awful error. Um, but they they were left quite exposed quite a lot. <laughs> they were asked I mean, they were asked to basically one... empty uh, pad empty the empty the boat <laughs> as it was sinking, weren't they? <laughs> the only one I would raise questions were with was with Aurier. I mean, I mentioned it in our group chat on about 46, 47 minutes that he just kept in the second half. He just kept losing his man. He's a bit like a wind up toy, isn't he? When he starts getting to the end, he's like, oh fuck it, I'm done. And he just stopped defending. <laughs> um, Wind him up more then. Yeah, someone needs to. But then we, we saw like Pogba start creating space and Cavani was exploiting that space that was vacated when Aurier either followed Pogba or just couldn't be asked to defend. And that's where they kept hurting us. That was sort of, it was, it was a bit frustrating to see that happening time and time again without a change being made until, not even until after they, even after they scored, we didn't change it. We still... We tried to be more defensively central, uh, more strong centrally, sorry. But we left ourselves exposed where they were doing us the most damage and that was out on our right-hand side. And what did you make of um, the Holy Trinity actually starting as a midfield three? Gio, Tongi and uh, and Hoisberg? Um, I'll put it this way. When the Chelsea was subbed off, my girlfriend says to me, how long has he actually been on the pitch? And I had to break it to her that the Chelsea had actually been on from the start. <laughs> um, I mean, I was pleased that this, the formation and the system suited the players, but more importantly, the, the players were played in the positions that they are best at, which meant Mora was pushed out wide and the Chelsea could play more centrally. It's the midfield triangle we wanted to see as a triangle and not a the Chelsea out wide like we've seen him in the, in the last two fixtures. But I think... When you have an anonymous game like the Chelsea had, you, you can go one of two ways, can't it? You can uh, have a, a horrible game because you've had no impact on the game, which is why no one's mentioned your name. 
or you've just quietly gone about your business. And I'm not sure what side <laughs> of the fence Chelsea think, sits on today. I think you've been a bit harsh on him, to be honest. I think he's had one of those games where when he was on the pitch, he was he was vital to the way we played. He allowed us to actually have some progression in the midfield. So we saw Hoiberg sit much deeper in the base of a free uh, man centre mid with Ndombele and the Chelsea sort of making making the strides forward. But also what we saw more of this game, which we haven't done previously, is instead of just trying to force the ball forward, we were we were more happy to recycle it and start again. So we saw we saw our, our, our wingers and our and our centimeters turn and go backwards when there wasn't a forward pass, which wasn't wasn't a big issue in my eyes. I thought that was much better. And if we I can see us if we play that system and the way we play today, more more times than not, we will we will win games of football. Like George says earlier, we were undone by some fantastic goals that were quite difficult to defend against. And I think um Sky Sports need to sack a few of their pundits because I'm not <laughs> sure what game they were watching. That was a few. some of the worst commentating and punditry I've ever seen in a game of football. Fucking ridiculous. What annoys me the most is they've got an absolute monopoly and have done for, obviously, since forever in, in Premier League broadcasting. And there is no alternative. It, it, it's infuriating that you can't go, ah, oh, well, I'll boycott Sky. And then what? I can't watch the game. There's, there's, there's no other way around it. So... Uh, uh, hopefully, some other broadcasters, such as Amazon, pull some strings and just go right. We'll pull the rug right from under you, uh, and you can fall down into this uh, bear trap full of uh, other shit pundits that have fallen by the wayside over the years. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was tiring, and I think yeah. the way that that even during the game, Gary, I was shouting and telling Gary to fuck off, which was bizarre. So apologies <laughs> to my neighbours just shouting fuck off Gary, which is, uh, it's hard. <laughs> they but, must um, have finally got that dog that you were, that you've been talking about for so long. <laughs> yeah, why is he called this dog Gary for a start? Oh, the, Gary, Gary, come here, stop doing that, Gary. Gary, we haven't been battered for the entirety of the second, second half. That is completely fucking hard. Yeah. If we played like we played against City in Liverpool, where we'd sat back with like a bank of four and a bank of five uh, and just sat and defended and tried to hit them on the counter, then fair play. And if they'd had 800 shots on target, uh, absolutely fair play. But to say that second half, we were completely battered, I think it's a little bit harsh. In fact, very harsh. Yeah, I mean, and annoyingly, they went and scored a third goal, which made it look justified. <laughs> but <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't that far apart from them. And I know Jose... Generally speaking, he'll he'll cling on to the one or two big chances that we create rather than look on the fact that we don't actually create that many chances. Um, it, was, it wasn't it was neck and neck. United were a better team than they deserved to win. But the difference it, the difference in in the game was the quality in the final third. And it wasn't it, it wasn't an, astro- con, an astronomical difference in my eyes. I know, George, you saw it differently. Um, I, I don't think I saw it that differently. Um but I felt like the camera just got stuck on our half in the second half and it never really seemed to move to the right. Like it was like uh, the camera just fixed there. And so our team was like, well, we want to stay in camera shots. So we'll just stay here then. No, I mean, I, I think you touched on a point earlier, Ash, about Lo Celso and, and his role. And, you know, as Penn says, maybe he was a bit invisible. But when he was on the pitch in his invisible state, we seem to be that little bit higher up the pitch than we were when he went off. But no, I think, I think you know, when, as the match wore on, I think we, we just kind of conceded a lot of space in the middle 
to United. We stopped pressing. You started seeing McTominay taking the ball a lot and just being able to turn, you know, basically straight away and just face at our back four. Um, and that was how, to your point, Ash, they started getting the width out wide because sentiments at the time and space to start picking out the passes. And then, and then, yeah, I mean, they've got good forward players. Like Cavani's very good. You know, Fernandez is annoyingly good. We dropped off. I don't know if you want to put that down to fatigue, even though United had a midweek fixture, fixture and we didn't. Um, but I think the biggest change in that second half was in the way United played rather than the way we played. They moved the ball far more quickly than they had done in the first half. And they um, Pogba in the first half was either on, on the left or on the right, but he, he stayed fairly static. Whereas in the second half, he was called that's all sorts of problem because he had that sort of free role and he was just appearing all over the pitch at all, all times. So did you ever at any point when we were 1-0 up, did you expect us to go on and get any points out of that game? Because I didn't. No, I even put it in the chat, we knew what's coming. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I thought... At half-time, I thought we definitely had a chance to probably get a point out of the game. Mm. I think um, I think I'm far more positive about this than you, Mr. Bastards, are. Uh, no, like <laughs> I think we tried to play the right way and we played players in, in positions that actually suited them and a system that actually works for us. And I know United really switched up in the second half. To what extent did we get undone by a better team? I think that's fairly true. What was the massive for me is that we tried to play in a really positive way we looked comfortable uh on the ball up until the final third uh, and then that sort of killer pass was what was really missing for us but you know the defense looked far more composed they were quite comfortable with the the united press which was you know against uh, newcastle we didn't have the confidence to do with that and that's ultimately what led to to i think the first newcastle goal anyway um there were so many more positives about that that I come away from that loss without the sense of dread that I do. You know, I felt fucking horrible after that two-all draw against Newcastle. Yeah. And then we came on this pod and I went on a bit of a rant, which isn't what we tried to do on this podcast, but we had to have to talk at some point. But this time, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm a, lot, I'm a lot happier about things. that Ultimately, United are second for a reason. The away record is one of the best away records in Premier League history. We were done by a better team. We tried to play good football. We I had players in the right positions. And I think this is quite largely positive going forward. Do you have a quick chat about the uh, United's disallowed goal? Because there's a lot going on on social media. Just quickly, was it a foul? Was it a second yellow? Tom? Uh, VAR came to the right decision. Thought it was a foul. Didn't think it was quite enough for a second yellow. Jules? Uh, foul and second yellow for me. Ooh. <laughs> well, I'm not I, sure. It's, uh, I, I yeah. just don't... So, uh, do I think it's bad? Like, like I, I, he hasn't, like, knocked him out. Like, he's, you know, he's not, he's not, he's not lamped him. But I, I don't think... The reality is, is that the laws of the game, as, as I seem to understand them from what I've seen people talking about, if you are going to be penalised for making contact with someone else's face as they try and approach the ball, that has to be a yellow. It's either you're saying it's not a foul because it wasn't enough contact for the reaction, or if it is, I don't see how it can be a foul but not be bad enough. Yeah, it's The, the guilty act in this instance is the, the movement from the hand to the face and the amount of impact that is. And obviously with, with the, the benefit of VAR, and they, they used it well in fairness, took a while to get there, but to refer him, 
was it Chris Cavana uh, tonight, uh, to refer him to the screen to look at it uh, was the right thing to do. Son's reaction is completely irrelevant. You need to look at the impact uh, and also where he struck him on the face. And I think he struck him in the eye. Yeah. And But I think the biggest thing for me to look at in that incident, if you go and watch it back, isn't necessarily the contact itself. It's the fact that you look at McTominay's next stride, his arm is nowhere near as or as far away from his body as it is with that first fling. Mm. So you can already see that his first arm movement was unnatural because that's not how you run. I get that there's a basic level of, uh, I mean, when we played rugby, it was we, we called it handing off, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Sort of a gentle shielding of uh, yourself before the tackle comes in. But, but there were even, in, even in rugby, there are limits in what you do there. Without going too much on a, on a rant of the referee, I mean, McTominay probably got, got sent off for the amount of fouls that he gave away that the referee didn't actually fucking blow for anyway. The, that was one <laughs> but, like, the reaction, like you said, Tom, you, you, you mentioned about reactions, and the reaction from the VAR call tended not to be just about the decision. It was the fact that VAR got involved. But my point is, it's not like there's a lot of calls saying VR ruined the game, but if the referees are picking up these basic fouls, then VAR wouldn't get involved and it wouldn't be this issue. How whiny is Fernandez? Anytime he's he the ref, it was <laughs> you, you asked the question in the group chat, didn't you, George? Like, why is this United team so hateable? I think that's why it's, it's mostly Fernandez for me, but it's just the constant whinging at the ref. Oh my god, it was even when Cavani took out Roden and then he starts moaning at Roden. <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand that. And then they had four players around the referee, and I'm thinking, what's the referee standing for this? Like, how on earth is he accepting this sort of treatment? I think even early on, I can't remember if it was after the first uh, disallowed goal, Fred was right up in the referee's face about something. And I, I just like, don't, why do you accept it? Why didn't you just book Fred in that instance where he's up in your face? And then obviously when Fred gets that other yellow, which I think he got booked later on at some point, he certainly deserved to be, then uh, you have a totally different game. And if you book players when you should, when they're treating the referee like that, it's going to stop that tactical foul that they have to make later in the game, which causes the booking. And that, that's a fair way of playing, in my opinion. I, th- I think I um I remember seeing an interview with Howard Webb, who I, I always thought was a was a great ref person. Yes, um, <laughs> despite the whole World Cup final. Oh yeah, I mean, look, right I, chop in the chest, but every every <laughs> you know, re- look, refs make mistakes, but I I, I thought <laughs> that he was a, and that, <laughs> mistakes and that, were made. <laughs> that, that was a big one, um, but. I always thought he was, uh, he seemed to approach it in a fair way. And, you know, that, I mean, they are human at the end of the day. Um, but he used to talk a lot when he was interviewed about how referees needed, like, did they have control of the game? And how actually if a referee gets later in the game and feels the need to start brandishing the card, it's often that they've, they've failed to assert themselves on it early enough, almost. There's so. a simple answer. We, we, we re- made reference to rugby earlier. The captain is the only player that needs to talk to a referee. Anyone else, piss off, or it's a booking. There's no, it's just, just move on. Just get away from it. Let the referee do yeah. his job. Yeah, there's, there's nowhere near enough respect uh, for anything. Uh, and ultimately, looking at that VAR decision, uh, you've got Ale in the press conference going, and the game's gone. Well, <laughs> ultimately, if we'd scored a goal like that, uh, and it had been allowed, mm. they would have been furious and calling for VAR to, to overturn it. So... 
there's definitely some double standards about it. And I don't know why they're still moaning about it, considering they won the game 3-1. So <laughs> just fucking have a word with yourself. Like, like I mean, give it a rest. Maybe thank you for some fantastic goals that they scored. And you've got to give credit. Like Cavani, he's world-class. I mean, his movement for the disallowed goal was a fucking warning. And then uh, when he scored, I think it was, yeah, it was United's second goal, wasn't it? And I think he had a, an involvement in that first one as well. Um Here's the shot which is parried into Fred's path for the first one. Yeah, yeah, and then exactly. scores the header for the second. He's 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 one of those players, he's just got such intelligent movement. Like and when you when you allow a team to play in your third, that means their striker is within 20, 30 yards of goal permanently, at which point it becomes about can you drop the shoulder? How do you move in and out of space accurately? It, you know, you don't need 15 meters to sprint into. Um, at that stage and that's the thing with Cavani once you play in that space in the same way like Sergio Aguero will go on and score a lot of goals if he gets the ball in the final third actually this game equally I thought Harry Kane he might not have gotten the score sheet but he also showed a lot to his game I thought his, his touch for our goal was beautiful and um, that that sort of weighted pass and he was uh he was definitely a nuisance and I think you know got to give Dean Henderson some credit because he did very well um you know, in, in, in a sense, maybe today it was one of those where they were just a little bit better in the two boxes, respectively, than we yeah. were. I'd rather yeah. lose like that than draw like we did against Newcastle. Let's put it that way. There's, there's, you know, it was there was a lot more positive about this game than than we've seen more recently. And what do you think, Fen? Of um, in in terms of where this leaves us, we are seventh right now but Everton have got two games in hand and the two points behind so let's assume eight um, <laughs> just being practical um where, where do you think this leaves us uh as we kind of come to the end of the season you've answered my question already eighth because <laughs> ultimately where I think it will leave us <laughs> it's a sad way about it we can play as well as we like but ultimately results need to go our way and not not convinced that I can see that. I mean, maybe if we finish in the top seven, then there's a chance that there's an extra European place, uh, which would be nice. But, I don't know. It's a tough one because as much as I want European football at Spurs, that, that's that's what we should set as a, as a standard. Yeah, there's almost sometimes a blessing of having less fixtures. I, we basically everyone wants to hit that factory reset button on this team. And if you don't have <laughs> European fixtures, it's easier to to manage a, a new squad and a new turnover that we need in the summer. So, is this, is this what we need to do to our, our sort of? I don't know to Daniel Levy, we need to like unscrew that like panel on the back of him and hit like the reset button. <laughs> just be like, like oh yeah, fucking go from ground zero, mate. Like we need to torch the place. Not literally, it was very expensive. But towards the place otherwise... <laughs> it would be pretty good, though. <laughs> <laughs> might, might finally pay for the naming rights that we've never fucking got. Um, but, okay, so, so what we're saying is we need to absolutely start again and maybe maybe you've got to finish eighth and have to kind of scratch the lot to come back. We won't be the first team to have had to do that. We've, we've seen it done before. Um I mean, I want to see a start of a new manager. I think I speak for most Tottenham fans when I say that. That's not the be-all and end-all, but um, I can't see. I, I was talking to someone about it earlier, and I'm, I'm I hate Jose because I'm losing interest in Spurs. So I want to see. I want to see new management. I want to see us play different football. Otherwise, next season's going to be much of the same. I'm afraid. 
even with a high turnover of players. Say, for instance, we get get rid of someone at Deadwood, mm. bring in a couple of more quality players. That we've seen right. a few names muted. A couple of bring in a world class centre back. Bring in someone like Sabitzer. Yeah, but then those again, like, are they still going to want to come to us if we're not in any European competition? Will we have the funds if we're not in any European competition? Um, we need to move players before we buy players, and considering that no one's had any revenue for two years, are other teams going to give us what we, or more importantly, what Levy values players at, considering how much of a pain in the arse he is to deal with anyway? <laughs> um, there's been a lot of talk about Harry Kane actually in his future. I'm if I'm putting myself in his shoes, I'm I'm straight on the plane to Real Madrid or Barcelona or <laughs> just about anyone who comes calling Crystal Palace <laughs> at this point for fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> can we come blame him if he goes? And do you see this being his last season, Tom? You definitely can't blame him if he goes. I mean, he is probably the best striker in the world. I don't think that's unfair to to say. No. And if he wants to go and do the absolute best of his career, which obviously we can't offer him, then we're going to have to go, right, fair enough. Uh, he's given everything while he's here. He's a, he's a club legend, whether he goes this summer uh, or he stays here until he retires. So he, you've got no issue there. He's got the fan loyalty, uh, provided he obviously goes in a respectful way, which I think he, he always would. Um, I, you, you can't begrudge him. But it's whether someone has got the money to be able to come in uh, and pay that sort of money to do that. The only club that could probably realistically do that is, well, any clubs is probably maybe Real, mm. but other than that, maybe City. But I think if City tried to sign him, Levy would put a bit more of a premium on them because they're Premier League rival, in inverted commas. <laughs> We're nowhere near the same <laughs> league as City, but you know what I mean? He's, he's not yeah. going to strengthen a team in the same league. He'd rather, you know, he could go to Real and Real could pay, you know, 20 million less than Levy would charge City. Yeah. Uh, so the ultimate question is, can someone afford him? And Joel, yeah. to be fair, he's, he's got what? Is it three years left? So max, surely at maximum, it's one more year he gives us. Because I can't see us giving us another contract he'll accept. No, I, I don't think we'll give him a contract he can accept. And I think he must be regretting, frankly, <laughs> signing the last <laughs> one. Um, you know, is when you sign a contract that length, you know, um, switching sports for a moment but people talk a lot about the career of Scotty Pippen um after the last dance and the fact that he signed such a long deal um and was then kind of undervalued and underpaid for such an extent well Harry Kane might be the Scotty Pippen of the, of the <laughs> Premier League this right um no I think I think for his sake if he wants to go and a club can pay a fee that is you know uh, gives value for the player that he has become um, I, I think it would be churlish of us to stand in his way. Yeah. Um, however, I think Mr. Levy will be churlish <laughs> because that's <laughs> what he is. How many, um, how many players do we need to sign to replace him? Because he scores, he creates, he defends, he leads. I don't think there's no one striker we can bring in realistically to replace him, is there? He's no. irreplaceable. I mean, yeah. the, the only striker you could bring in to replace him is Lewandowski. Um, and, Not gonna and, <laughs> and for some reason, I don't think he's going to leave. I mean, at this point, so Fen, you made the argument earlier about, you know, are we technically even City's rivals in the same way that I'm a rival for Blake Lively with Ryan, with Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> like, I mean, that's about, that's about as close a rival. Like, Jesus. I think the, the sad thing is that when Kane signed the deal, 
didn't he sign it because he said that he really believed in the vision that Poch had and that he thought over the next six, seven years, they would win trophies together. And you must, if you're Harry Kane right now, you look at what was on, you know, what was on the cards when he signed mm. that contract and how life's gone. I don't think any of us could could blame him for for deciding that you know he wants that he wants to go and fulfil his dreams and his ambitions like like everyone does. Anyway, speaking of looking forward, uh, yeah, Everton on Friday night fixture, which is annoying um, because I'm pretty sure. It, most of us probably won't see the fixture live because you can't reopen the pubs and then the following Friday <laughs> put a football match on. It's just, no, I'll be too levied, for lack of a, a better adjective, to, surely, to be able to comprehend this game by that point. Surely, that's why it's per- surely though, that's why it's perfect scheduling. Yeah. They've reopened the pubs specifically for us because they know that we can't bear to watch this game. So yeah. this way will be so indescribably drunk that we don't have to actually experience viewing it. I want all future games to be on Friday evening. That way we can just get out of the way and we've got the weekend to look forward to. We haven't to worry about watching Spurs again. <laughs> that is rip true. Off, rip off the plaster. That said, looking at the way we played against United, we, we were better organised. Everyone was in the right sort of positions. We were trying to play better football. Surely that puts us in a bit more of a positive mindset uh, going into the northern branch of the Butlers, that is our brothers in arms, Everton. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. Um, and I think it would be nice for us to have a little bit of continuity, you know, build on the, the, the positive aspects that there were from this game, particularly since, you know, that, that League Cup final is not too far away now. Um, so if you can build a little bit of a run of consistency and partnerships, however it's going to be, um, I think that that would really benefit the team. You know, we, we don't have midweek fixtures. They do. This is the time to start building a bit of momentum if we can. Yeah, there's no need for changes. Let's go with the same. Let's, uh, what we need to do is try not to drop off like we did in, in this game. Um, I don't think it was too much dropping deep. It was more lacking or dropping intensity. As I said, you, may, you might want to put that down to fatigue. But let's go again. Let's keep... Let's keep some momentum going as best we can because the results aren't keeping us going forward. So we've got to do what we can, I guess. <laughs> well, Jules touched on something earlier. He talks about uh, partnerships and how United better fall the partnerships that they've built. Uh, Maguire and Lindelof are probably quite a good example. Um, obviously, we went with, with Dyer and Rodon, who we said have done all right. We have absolutely no idea what centre-back partnership Jose <laughs> might pick going forward. Um I don't know, Ash. How do you think he's actually picking these centre backs? Is it does he actually watch them in training? You think he's doing the best, or is it more of he's got a psychic octopus in the tank in his office who's just sort of picking them at random, or is it more like Wheel of Fortune? We just kind of spin, and like the little slot for Toby is just really narrow. <laughs> and the one for Sanchez is half the fucking wheel. I don't know. How's he doing it? I think it's one of two ways. He's either got all their faces up on a dartboard and he's, he's throwing one with his eyes closed whenever he hits plays. Or, or he asks himself, who have I thrown under the bus for a while? Let's get, let's get them in. Um, that way I've got something to complain about after the game, which isn't about my tactics. Whoever, whoever's got tyre marks least badly imprinted on their face from the bus, that's who has to go next. Can I? Can I yeah, I think, I think it's some kind of Wuji board. Um, that he's using. <laughs> I think he's he's there mystically, you know, pulling the strings and seeing. Summon the ghost of Bill Nicholson. <laughs> so, Who should I go for today? 
he's summoning the ghost of, of Tim fucking Sherwood at this rate. That's that's crazy. <laughs> speaking to. He had a win rate second to none at least. Yeah, and yeah. a loss rate second to none, which was the problem. <laughs> but he did, he also didn't have to deal with playing Oreo at right back. I mean, that's another problem for us going forward, is that? Yeah, yeah, Chad for... made instead. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. I mean, I'd rather play Chadley at right back, if I'm honest. Yeah. It's, it's getting to that stage. But uh, I don't know. We'll see what he does against Everton. But, like, yeah, like you say, oh, yeah, just he has a habit of switching off. He, you know, Pogba was just darting into right. I'll go down the byline then. And it happened more than once. <laughs> it's yeah. what Oreo couldn't learn during the game. Um, very, very strange. Um, I think the, the, the partnership opportunities, though, are surely the trio midfield. And Reggion to Son. I think those are like yeah. the areas of the team where we could realistically develop, you know, something going forward. Um, and I think we all know that on the day, whatever defence he puts in place, <laughs> it's going to be a roll of the dice. We've got to hope the City of a bad one. You know, we all, we're all aware of that. So it's more a case of just please, to dear God, stick with the same midfield three, play Son wide with Reggion overlapping him. And let's hope that we show the same calm on the ball and, and kind of collection on it um, and willingness to play the right way um, against an Everton team that are really weird. Because whenever I watch them, they look really good. And then when I turn around and I haven't seen them, they like draw one all with Palace or something. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> How do you do this? Yeah. Like, no, well, so... You're a top four talent, and you've got away to a really terrible team and Palace Spurs. It's, it's very strange. But you say... Speaking of uh, Moira Case, as you said earlier, Lucas did all, did all right against United, playing on the right-hand side for once. Do you stick with him going into the Everton game? Or are you doing something ludicrous like bringing Bale back in? Who have we got that has seriously pushed him for a starting space? I don't think anyone that's come in and known any better than he has, to be honest. Uh, Bale didn't no. have long... Well, really? I don't think so. <laughs> Um, Bale came on. He didn't have long. That's not enough, Tom. That's not enough. Um, I'm left-footed and I'm cheaper. If you really need someone (laughs) to do that, you were just needlessly aggressive as well. I still just, I just want to see Bergwijn get a run of games. He wasn't even in the squad against United. I know. know. What's happening to him? Um, Let's get him in. To be honest, if we're going to drop Lucas, but I don't think there's anyone else putting there. putting a hand up and asking to be put on that, that pitch over him. I don't think there's anyone else that we can play instead of him, to be honest. Reduce scores on the doors. What do you reckon, Jules? I'd really, really like, I don't know, 3-1 to us. <laughs> that would be delightful. But I think it might be like 1-0 defeat, like really drab, like really <laughs> boring. Like, like one of those ones where, I mean, I'm going to be with them many pints deep. And I think we're just going to be kind of hitting refresh and we're just going to see like 78th minute Andre Gomez. Yeah, I want to say we'll win, but I'd be lying to myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, 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 I think we're going to lose 2-1. Tom? Mm. So no, I said we'd lose 4-1 to United and we only lost 3-1. Uh, so that, that, is, that is a positive but I mean that's because I thought we'd lose 4-1 because we would play like we played against Newcastle and we didn't so that fills me with a bit of confidence is it another false dawn? Definitely um, <laughs> but ultimately Everton are just such a funny team Jules like you say you never know which side's going to turn up and because it is 
one bottle job team against the other, it's destined for a draw, surely. Uh, I think we're going to see probably a cheeky Desmond here too, too. But like you say, I will be too drunk to notice a football game. <laughs> I will be somewhere wandering around the Holland Park roundabout, just trying to find a way home at that point because it's going to be all day bevs. So just watching the day off. Just so. watching me just two foot bins. Just, just, just. <laughs> <laughs> trying to soak how to tackle. Literally, just saying, this is how you do it, Moose. Bang! <laughs> Bus stop, down. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, so naturally, we've put a few feeders out on the old socials. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, uh, we're on Twitter, uh, at cockable underscore pod. Uh, don't just search cock and ball. It's uh, it's interesting. But anyway, we're there. Go find us um, at Spiggy Tope uh, on Twitter. It said the last six minutes uh, this is against United. Uh, so the extra time uh, of the match, sure, Spurs failed to register a shot on goal. Uh, Redknapp and Keane insisted that Spurs had no leadership in the team put out. Uh, Kane is a captain, uh, as is Hoybier uh, and maybe Dyer. Where where are their voices? Is what he's asking, and I kind of see his point that perhaps there needs to be a bit more leadership on the pitch. Um, but I may I, I don't know. I take more positives out of the game than uh, than maybe he's getting at. And you know, okay, we didn't get a shot on goal in the final six minutes, but I don't know. It's hard because the last minute was just them scoring a goal. <laughs> 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 it, it, it it can be harder, and I, I think. The, the way we played in, in that game was still far better than we had recently. So maybe I think he's a tad harsh. He might maybe. Me. No, no, maybe. I don't have much to add other than, you know, um, Keane and Redknapp can get to fuck. So <laughs> I've, <laughs> had enough, with him there. Yeah, I've had enough of their, their shit takes. Everything is Tottenham are shit and United are amazing. So don't take everything that they say as, as red. We, yeah, we didn't shoot. But like Tom said, it was because of the, the quality, the lack of passing rather than leadership. We um we gave it a go at the end. We you know we, we did try and play more in their half. But George made the thing about the camera being stuck on our half, but I think the last <laughs> ten or fifteen minutes we did see it move a little bit. But um it wasn't it, to be. It's quite unfair at Dyer to lead the team when he's quite consistently in and out of it. So <laughs> I don't I don't blame the players. I think I think unfortunately that you can see that the players are in a bit of a weird headspace right now. Um, and it's it's a tricky end to the season uh, for everyone. But they've just got to pull it all together. You know, we're all pulling, pulling it together, getting haircuts, going out to the pub, <laughs> trying to be positive. And they need to do the equivalent um, and give us something to cheer about on Friday. Well said. Uh, better said than Larice, who called us a, a disgrace. So he <laughs> was exactly wrong. We'll see if we live up to Larice's expectations <laughs> against Everton on... Uh, on Friday night, if anyone is sober enough to actually see it. But in the meantime, thanks for listening.